You are listening to a message from Tree Line Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hi, neighbor. I don't know about you, but if you've been listening or watching the last couple of weeks, that song's really been getting stuck in my head. And it really is a classic. I don't know if you grew up watching Mr. Rogers, but I know when I was a child, if PBS was on and Mr. Rogers was on the TV, there's no doubt I was sitting there watching him. And even though I never met him in person, because of the amount of love and care that he showed, it just really came through the screen. And he was someone who had a voice in my life and someone who I still to this day really look up to. I guess you could say he is a hero of mine. And something that was amazing about Mr. Rogers is that he was able to tackle difficult subjects and difficult topics and even really break them down in a way that a child could understand. And he wasn't willing to shy away from difficult or taboo subjects in the culture in that day. And I really admire that about him. And something that we've been asking is the question that he would ask all the time, won't you be my neighbor? See, the first week when we started this series two weeks ago, we asked that question, won't you be my neighbor? Basically, who is my neighbor? And we told the story of Jesus telling a parable or a story in the book of Luke of the Good Samaritan. And see, basically, if someone comes up to Jesus and he wants to know something, hey, what are the commandments? What are the rules, basically? What are the things that I've got to do to follow after God? And so the guy knew the answer to the question. It was pretty much love God. If you're going to follow after him, love God with everything that you've got. But the second commandment was just as important, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, then this guy had a follow-up question. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Basically asking, who is it that I have to love? I think the guy was almost looking for a pass. Maybe if there's some people who are difficult or not too likable, do I really have to consider them my neighbor? Well, Jesus is really masterful here, and he tells a parable in his story, and especially in this culture, it would have been so relevant, it would have been really hard to miss the point, that Jesus basically tells the story and says, everyone is your neighbor, even the people that are difficult, that you may not agree with, that look different than you, that believe different than you, and maybe sometimes you just flat out don't like them. Maybe it's someone you don't agree with. Jesus is basically saying that everyone is our neighbor. There is no past. We've got to love everyone. And so when we begin to think that way and ask ourselves that question, and the reason we were asking ourselves this question is basically today in our culture, in our world, it's no secret. You look around and it seems that racism is as evident as ever. That yes, we've made a lot of progress as a nation, but I don't think anyone would deny that racism isn't alive and well in our nation today. Now, that might be a little bit different of your experience. Maybe that's something that you really feel the pain of that. Maybe that's something you really feel the sting of racism and discrimination. Maybe you've lived a life and you haven't experienced a lot of that. And wherever you are in that journey, we're just taking some time in this series to really begin to discover this. And and where we landed in the first week is that we've got to start with us. I simply laid it out like this. I've got to start with me beyond having the conversation, beyond trying to fix everyone else in the world or or add my voice to the conversation. I've got to start with me. And that's where we landed. You've got to start with you. Check your heart motives. Check what's going on in your heart. What do you believe? What do your actions show? Because we discovered that racism is something that is not of God's plan. Matter of fact, if we're following after God, it can't be something that's a part of our life at all. And so we've got to start with us. We've got to start by asking ourselves that question. Who is my neighbor and how have I been following after God? Am I exhibiting that love for others just like God wants us to? 
And so as we unpack that in the first week, the kind of way we ended was that we've got to talk less and listen more. Now, I know for some of you that might be easy. Maybe you're a quiet person. It's just natural for you to listen and be slow to react. But I know a lot of us, and myself included, sometimes I can be kind of quick to talk. And maybe you've landed with a foot in your mouth a few times before you you kind of jump off the, you know, before you listen, you're just quick to act. And sometimes we've just got to slow our roll and we've got to listen. And so we set this challenge and we've got to listen more. We've got to listen to other people's stories. We've got to listen and hear what other people have been through. And I was so excited last week to sit down with Pastor Justin Morell and really get his input, to really hear his voice. And as we said last week, I'm a white pastor, I'm a white guy, but I don't speak for all white people. And Justin's a black guy and a black pastor, but he doesn't speak for all black people, but he can share his experience and perspective as a black person growing up in our culture and his experience today. I really hope you had an opportunity to listen in and lean in on that conversation and and hear maybe a different perspective from your own, to hear and see that racism really is alive and well. And even beyond that, what are some of the things that we can do in our response as Christ followers to begin to form unity and, and reconciliation? And this week, I just kind of, in our third week, want to begin to unpack this idea of what our response. And we've talked a little bit about that the first two weeks and how we respond. But I think it's really important that we take some time to really explore this idea of what our response is as Christ followers. How, how do we, as Christ followers, what is our view? What is our action? What are the things that we do in response in light of everything going on in our culture and the understanding that racism is alive and well, that discrimination is real? What is our response as a Christ follower? What do we do to see that change? In the first week, we began with this idea in the book of Galatians 3.28. It says that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Why? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, when we come to a relationship with Jesus, it unifies us. Matter of fact, the Bible goes to great lengths to say that when we come to relationship with Jesus, when we say yes to him, that we become sons and daughters of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are all of one family. We are all of one accord, that there is unity and we have an obligation. We have a a duty. We have a calling as Christ followers to show unity to the world, to display that. Matter of fact, the Bible actually teaches us that people will know that we are Christ followers by our love for one another. So it's really important that we don't just skip over this idea. It's really important that we don't just simply check out. But I encourage you to lean in. If you missed the first two parts, just go back and take a listen. Go back and watch and really listen and lean in and discover some of the things that we can do to be part of the solution to the issue of racism and the deep, deep divide in our nation today. See, something that I think is really important for us is the difference in having an active or a passive response. See, it'd be easy a lot of times, and not just in this instance, but maybe more so than ever. It'd be really easy to just sit back and be passive. But I believe God has called us to be active in our approach. That we just can't sit by and be passive in our approach to unity and reconciliation and showing love to others. That we've got to be active. And while last week we were talking about being slow to listen and hearing other stories, while we have to continue to do that, I would say that sometimes we have to not be so slow to act. That we've got to be active in this pursuit of finding reconciliation, of showing others love. 
Last week I referenced the one time that I went to go see Mr. Rogers set when I was a teenager. Now I never got to go when I was a kid and actually be on the show or in the studio audience or any of that sort of stuff. But I was in high school. A friend of mine was taking their child, their young child, and I got to go with them to the set of Mr. Rogers um, there in, in um, Oakland and Pittsburgh. And it was just amazing that WQED set. And I remember going in and, and now you got to remember, I watched the show religiously as a child. And I, I shared a little bit last week and I, you know, I said I got really excited and I got thrown out. My girls were like, did you really get thrown off the Mr. Rogers set? And no, I, I didn't get quite thrown off, but thrown off the set. But the reaction was real. I was running around squealing at the excitement. I'm like, it's X the Owl's tree. And oh my goodness, look at this over here. Just going over and seeing every single thing and Daniel's clock. And it was just so amazing to actually be there on the set where all the puppets live and then being in his living room in his kitchen and seeing the fish and picture picture and, and trolley. Oh my goodness, it was such an amazing day. Something that I really remember and cherish that, that moment of being able to go and see Mr. Rogers' world and be there and be a part of it. And as I mentioned before, I love that he was willing to tackle difficult situations. Mr. Rogers was just willing to go there. He wouldn't beat around the bush. He, he would be direct, but in such a loving and honest way. And they were conversations that we needed to hear. They were conversations that may have seemed uncomfortable and might not sure how to approach it, but Mr. Rogers just knew how to do it in such a loving way. He knew how to do it to a, approach a difficult conversation and to break it down to us in a way that we could understand, something that made sense to us. And really, friends, as we begin unpacking this idea in this series of racism, we've come to discover that racism is nothing new in our nation. Matter of fact, years ago, when Mr. Rogers was early in his television career, it was something that he took on head on. It was the late 1960s in the United States, and race tensions were at an all-time high. Things were really going not too great. Even though laws had been passed, even though things that were saying segregation and discrimination, they're wrong, and they were passing laws saying that you can't discriminate against someone just based upon the color of their skin, things were not changed in the hearts of men. So the laws were changed, but people's hearts had not followed. And so here we see that in this time, in the late 1960s, there was great unrest. And matter of fact, people were still trying to have segregation. At this point, something that was happening that was in public swimming pools, people were trying to keep them segregated. And white people didn't want black people in the swimming pool with them for all kinds of absolute ridiculous reasons. When Mr. Rogers heard about this, he was kind of upset and thought, how ridiculous is it that someone, just because they have a different color skin with you, can't be in the same swimming pool with you? So Mr. Rogers did something that was just absolutely unbelievable at the time. He brought on someone who was a character, someone in the cast on his show, Officer Clemens. Now, Officer Clemens was a black man, and he was a, a police officer on the show. And he did something unbelievable. And we have a picture here. This is from 1969 that Mr. Rogers sat down as a white man with Officer Clemens, a black man, and they sat and they washed their feet. They cooled off with their feet in the little swimming pool in front of Mr. Rogers' house. This was a big statement at the time. To even take it a step further, Mr. Rogers lets Officer Clemens use his towel, his own towel, to dry off when he's done. He was basically making a big statement. and He was being active in his pursuit of reconciliation, saying, what I'm seeing in the world is wrong. Instead of just sitting passively by, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to show my love for someone else. 
This was such a, a big deal and such a big turning point for Mr. Rogers. It's something that really culturally that stuck in part of his legacy that almost 25 years later on Officer Clemens' last day on the show, they reenacted the swimming pool all over again. So in 1993, Mr. Rogers, Officer Clemens, one more time, a little bit older, probably a little bit wiser, but unfortunately, still racism going on, still tension in our nation. They sit down in that front yard again, and they sit there with their feet in that pool. The amazing thing is at the end of this one, Mr. Rogers didn't only just give Officer Clemens his towel. Mr. Rogers himself dries off Officer Clemens' feet right there on television for everyone to see. See, I love how active Mr. Rogers was in his love for someone else. That he didn't just sit by passively with the relationships and the people in his life. He didn't just sit by passively and just say, well, it's not really my issue. It's not something I can really do about it. But he was active in his love for others. I love the example that that really shows us. That he modeled a correct response for us. And so we really have to ask ourselves the question, what is the response that we have to model unity for others? See, as much as Mr. Rogers modeled for us as kids what unity and love and reconciliation look like, Jesus modeled for us what love looked like for others. That Jesus modeled for us, well, what did that look like? That he loved us so much that Jesus would go to the cross, die a brutal death, persecution, just unbearable amount of pain and misery, miserable, just being put to death, crucified on a cross. Because why? Because he loved us. That's the kind of love that he had for us, even as sinners, before we were in relationship with him, before we had been made right with him, while we were still in rebellion against God. God loved us so much that he sent his son and Jesus did the unthinkable. He gave his life for us. He gave his life for me, for you. Why? Because he loved us. And see, I love what John 15, 12 tells us, and it's almost a little bit challenging. It says, this is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking. This is his commandment. It's saying, love each other in the same way I have loved you. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, that's a really big statement. Why? Because when you understand what Jesus has done for you, when you get that he went to the cross and died for us, that he was beat and whipped and put to shame, when you understand the amount of love, when he says that you've got to love other people the same way that he loved us, that tells me that it is not a love of convenience. It is not a love of when it's, you know, when I've got time for it or when it fits my schedule or when it's, you know, doesn't inconvenience me or doesn't cost me something. Oh man, friends, the kind of love that Jesus had for us cost him everything. And we have to ask ourselves the question, does the love that we have for others cost us something or is it simply a love of convenience? See, in 1 John 4, 19, 21, I love the way the message translation puts this. It says, we though are going to love. We as Christ followers, people following after God, we are going to love. We're going to love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now we love. Why? He loved us first. 
that it continues. If anyone boasts, I love God and goes on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The commandment we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. I love the way it puts it that the commandment from Jesus is blunt. He doesn't sugarcoat it. You've got to love each other. You've got to love people. You can't simply say that you're following after God and you love God and you want to follow him and serve him and then neglect to love people. We can love other people. Why? Because God first loved us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Why? That he loved us. That he was willing to pay any price. A love that had no, he was no limits. Cost him everything. Simply for the love that he had for us. And now this is the commandment that we have to love others. And see, just like Mr. Rogers modeled to us us as kids, what love looked like to someone else, Jesus now models to us what love looks like to others. That it will sometimes be a love that is inconvenient. Sometimes it'll be a love that costs us something. And see, when we see our current culture, when we see everything going on in the world, when we see the pain, the hurt, the, the hatred, the, the betrayal, the, the deep division, the, the lack of unity, even within the body of Christ. See, we can, we can simply say it, it's, it's a mess. And for as far as we've come in the last 400 years towards making strides of ending racism and, and bringing reconciliation, we still have work to do. And we can still, still see the pain. We can still hear the anguish. We can still hear the stories like we did last week from Pastor Justin, who grew up in the same city as me and had a total different experience. Why? Based upon the color of our skin. See, friends, we see all of this going on in the world and we know deep down inside, or maybe not so deep down anymore, that things are not right. That things aren't right in our nation. That things aren't right in our cities. That things aren't right in our culture. That there's just this unrest. There's this dissatisfaction. There's this really this, this call for justice. There's this call for reconciliation. There's this call for healing and forgiveness and healing the divide. Friends, I like to say that the only solution in all of this is Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things that we can do, and there's a lot of ways that we can protect people and enable people and and do all sorts of things to make sure that people aren't discriminated against. But at the end of the day, just like laws laws were enacted to end racism and discrimination, and they didn't change the heart of men, what we've got to understand, it doesn't matter how many laws, how many rules, or even what the majority of people think or feel, it really comes down to the issue of the heart. And racism is a sin, like so many other sins, that we've got to understand that Jesus is the only cure, that he is the only answer, he's the only solution. And as we begin to unpack this the last couple of weeks, in the first weeks we said, we've got to start with me, that I've got to start with ground zero, I've got to check my heart, I've got to inspect my my motives, I've got to check my blind spots, I've got to find if there's any hint of shadow racism in me, I've got to let God deal with me first. I would say, secondly, we've got to continue with say, God, start with us as your Christ followers. God, start with us as those who have committed to following after you and living and giving our life 
to you. See, we begin to say, God, we want to add to the solution. We want to be a part of fixing this, that we don't want to just simply sit by and stand by because we've got to be active. We've got to show that we are proactively engaged in this, that we want to end this, that we want to see healing come that we want to see restoration happen, that we want to see reconciliation and unity and love. And really, how does this happen? And what does that look like for us? I love this passage in 2 Chronicles 7. And it's a really powerful reminder of God moving on our behalf. And it says this in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Such a powerful verse. See, friends, as we see everything going on in the world, and if the solution is Jesus, we need God to step in. No amount of goodwill, no amount of good acts, no amount of doing the right amount of things, passing the right amount of laws, doing enough protesting, all those things are good and hopefully move the ball in the right direction. But at the end of the day, we need God to show up. We need God to heal our land. We need God to bring reconciliation. We need Jesus to show up on the scene and move on our behalf to see unity, to see reconciliation, to see healing, to see the end of racism and discrimination. And see, it really begins with us. This verse reminds us that as Christ followers, did you catch it? He said, if my people, if the people who are following after God and everyone else out there, everyone adding their voice to the conversation, everyone else trying to move the ball forward to to begin to see some things change and happen, that's all good. But we as Christ followers have got to start with us. That God has put this challenge, and I believe this is even true now for our culture in this situation, that if we as Christ followers, if His people called by His name, will what? We'll humble ourselves. Friends, it starts with humility. It's not about having all the right answers. It's not about shouting people down. I'm not saying there's not a time for holy anger and discontent, but friends, we've got to start with humility. That it's not that we have all the answers. It's not that we're going to make everything right in the world. It's not that we've got this all figured out. It's not about trying to change people's opinions by angrily shouting at them on social media all day long. We've got to start with humility. We've got to simply come with humility, with humbleness to God. Saying, God, we need you in this situation. Which leads us to the second part, which is prayer. If my people who are humble will pray, will call out to me. I want to encourage you. This is something that we've got to do. To be active in this pursuit of seeing God be the solution to the problem is that we've got to humble ourselves and we've got to pray and then we've got to repent. He said if we would change our wicked ways, if we would no longer live the way that we once used to, we'd begin to change the way that we think, our, our attitudes, our actions, and if we would do those things, then He will hear. He'll hear us and He'll respond and He'll heal our land. Friends, I believe that's a recipe for what we need today in our society with everything going on with racism, with everything going on, the deep divide and and the hurt and the pain and everything going on that we need God. We need Jesus to enter the scene and he will hear us and he will forgive us and he will heal our land. See, laws may not be able to change the heart of men, but Jesus can. He does it every day. We need Jesus to enter the scene. And it starts with us as Christ followers. 
So as we wrap this up today, how, how can we get practical with this? What are some things that we can do? What are some steps that we can take to be a part of the solution? What are some things as Christ followers? Maybe you've been listening the last couple of weeks. Maybe you, you've been engaged. Maybe you've been started with yourself and, and checking your heart and, and repenting of things. And you listened last week to Justin's story and began to hear and maybe have your perspective change and your eyes open to some things that you weren't aware of. What are some things now when we say and understand that we need God to enter the scene, that the only solution to the problem is Jesus, how do we then as Christ followers in light of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, what is our response? What are we supposed to do? Friends, the first one is simply this. We've got to pray. You've got to pray. Man, I even had to check myself this week for all the times that I've been engaged in reading the comments and reading the articles and wanting to post things and even doing this series, I had to sit down and just really say, God, have I been praying for your intervention in this? God, have I been praying for you to change the hearts of men? God, have, you, have I been praying and really asking you? And I just had a time and a moment just even preparing this message this week of just really crying out for God and saying, God, we need you in our nation. Have you been slow to post the comments on social media and, and lob out the comments and the things and, and the ideals and have the conversations in your home behind closed doors? And have we forgotten to pray? Have we forgotten to ask God and invite Him into the situation because He is the only solution? Friends, are we willing to humble ourselves and pray? We've got to start there. I challenge you. Spend a few moments, God, just praying and crying out, God, we need you to heal our land. God, start with me. Start with us. Start with us as Christ followers and our response to the church. But Jesus, we need you to intervene. We need you to heal our nation. We need you to heal this divide. God, we know this is not your desire for us. The second one is this. We've got to repent. We've got to repent. See, here's the thing about repentance. Being repentful about something starts with saying that you're sorry. But it's not just simply about saying you're sorry about doing something. See, true repentance will always follow with a heart change, with changed actions, with changed motives. If you're truly repentful for something, if you truly are sorry, it's not enough to just say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, which God will. God will forgive you when you ask for forgiveness. But true repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry and I know that I need to change and that I can't do it without you. I can't do it in my own ability. I can't do it in my own strength. God, I need you. And see, as we begin to cry out and repent of those things, and maybe those things even starting with you, and you have to ask for repentance, or maybe whatever you've been feeling, whatever side of the coin you have been on. Maybe you have maybe some shadow racism or some different thoughts or some different prejudices or some blind spots that you didn't know you had, and you need to repent, and you need to invite God into the situation and say, Jesus, I need you to change my heart. I need you to start with me. Maybe I've got some people that I need to forgive and I, I've been hateful. Or maybe even out of the way that I've been trying to react and show support, I, I've not been too loving. I've been very kind of mean and angry about it. And I haven't been very loving and I haven't really represented Christ well. And I need to repent and say, God, I need you to forgive me. Help me change. Help me to become more like you. See, it's the goal of repentance is to become more like Jesus and less like ourselves and like, less like our flesh. We've got to start with prayer and we've got to follow up with true repentance. And true repentance always is followed by changed hearts, changed actions, changed motives, changed thoughts. Not in our own strength, not in our own ability, 
but only with the help of Jesus. The third thing is this. We've got to model love. You've got to pray, you've got to repent, and we've got to model love. We cannot simply sit by and be passive in our response as Christ followers. We have done it far too long as Christ followers, and we have done it far too long as the capital C church in America. We've just simply been passive and watched our brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ of different ethnicities, of different races, of different skin colors, and we've been silent. Friends, we've got to be active in modeling this. We've got to show love I'm so thankful for the example that Mr. Rogers set for us over 50 years ago of showing that it's okay for people to show love and acceptance to people who look different than them, who have a different skin color, of a different race. I'm so thankful for what Jesus modeled for us, of what it truly meant to love someone else, that it was a selfless love, that it was a love that sometimes cost us something, that's sometimes a love of inconvenience. We've got to begin to model love. We've got to be active in that. We've got to be active in our love. Maybe that starts with our own heart and our own motives and our own words, the jokes that we listen to, the things that we allow, the conversation and the shows and the TVs and the things that we allow the media into our life, the things that we maybe silently put our approval on. We've got to start there by modeling love. We've got to model love by lovingly demonstrating that we care for others, going out of our way to bring down and break down walls, of simply finding ways like we did last week to sit down with someone and have a conversation, to hear someone's story, to reach out with someone in your life, a friend or someone that you may know who may have been marginalized or knows the sting all too well of racism. Friends, we've got to find ways to model it. We've got to build relationships with people who look different than us who maybe have raised different from us or even have different socioeconomical backgrounds, whatever it is. We've got to find ways to be the body of Christ and always with that reminder that we were given that the world who is not following after Jesus, they will know that we are Christ followers by the way that we love one another. Friends, we've got to pray. We've got to repent. And we've got to demonstrate this. We have got to model love for others. My prayer for us as Treeline and my prayer for us as Christ followers in the church is that we would not take a back seat. That we just wouldn't sit back and just simply allow this to just be brushed under the rug once again. That we would actively play our role as Christ followers really relying and leaning into this verse and declaring this and God saying, God, you said that if we would humbly bring ourselves before you, if we would cry out to you, and if we would truly repent and turn and ask you to help us change, God, that you would hear us, that you would come and that you would heal our land, that you would heal the divide. Friends, make no mistake, Jesus is the only solution. And I'm so excited as a Christ follower that we can play our part in seeing God heal the divide in our world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the love that you have for us. God, I thank you for the incredible demonstration of you sending your only son and then Jesus going to the cross to pay the price for our sins, our mistakes, our failures, had such a selfless love and then in turn challenged us, God, challenged us 
to love others the way that you loved us. God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to step up and to love others the way that you've loved us. God, help us to be consistent in praying and inviting you into the situation. Maybe even before we make the comment, even before we try to correct or change someone else's behavior, God, that we would be quick to pray and invite you into the situation. God, and I pray that we would be people of true repentance. God, saying that we're sorry and knowing that you will forgive us, but then seeing that change that happens only because you help us, not in our own strength, not in our own ability, because God, we can't do it in our own. God, we need you in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us model this, that you would help us model love to others. God, no matter what race, no matter what ethnicity we are, God, no matter what the color of our skin is, God, that we would come together as the body of Christ, just like in Galatians tells us that in Jesus, in Christ, we are one, we are family. God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as you're watching today, we want to give you the opportunity that if you've never entered into the family of God by saying yes to Jesus, we invite you to do that today. I encourage you to not wait. Don't brush it off. Don't wait till another day. Don't say, I'll get serious someday. See, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're listening, where you're watching, what's going on in your life. But here's what I know to be true. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have it all cleaned up. You don't have to have your act together. You don't have to know all of the Bible and all the things of God. Maybe you still have questions and a lot of uncertainty. But here's what I want you to understand today. That God loved you so much that he was willing to do anything to reconcile relationship with you, that he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins, our mistakes, our failures. That's the kind of love he had for you. But here's the good news. Jesus died on that cross, and yet he went to the grave. But three days later, he rose back to life, defeated death, defeated the grave, defeated sin so that we could experience a victorious life of freedom, that you don't have to do it on your own, that you don't have to have all the answers, that you don't have to figure it out. Friends, there is such a freedom that comes, and maybe you've felt that. Maybe you've felt that burden in your life. You have felt there's been something missing, or you've been trying to do it on your own, or whatever it is, and your wheels have just been spinning. I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to him. Just simply repeat these words and pray with me. And there's no no special words. It's not a special prayer. It's simply believing in your heart what you're about to say. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you said that simple prayer and you believed it in your heart, it says that even when one person comes to relationship with God, all of heaven is rejoicing. So if you made that decision, we want to come alongside of you and help you make some next steps in this journey. If you wouldn't mind simply texting the word rejoice to 97000 and we'll respond. We just want to come alongside of you and help you make some next steps in becoming a lifelong follower with him. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here with us. I want to say a very special happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. So thankful for you and the way that you love your families and you are following after Christ. Thank you so much for being a part of this today. We love you and we'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.